Welcome to While Doing Laundry, a podcast for parents with mountains of laundry and a heart for change. I'm your host, Emily Edwards, and I'll be your guide on this weekly ethical exploration of parenthood. I'm a nurse, a mom, and a fierce advocate for choice. When I became a parent, I quickly realized I had overestimated how much I knew about anything that actually mattered and underestimated the sheer volume of laundry I would have to deal with. So if you're anything like me, I'm ready to challenge those old beliefs, learn new ways to view the world, and finally feel like you're embracing the massive, messy transformation that is parenthood, don't go anywhere. Grab your laundry basket and some earbuds, and let's get started listening to this week's episode. Welcome back to Well Folding Laundry. I am literally sitting here beside a giant pile of unfolded clothes and I've already put a new load in the washer and there's a load drying. So before you go any further with today's episode, I want you to do the same. Set yourself up with your favorite drink and a lot of laundry because today we are going to dive into my origin story, part two, which is all about my professional background and what it is that I bring to the table that's different than a lot of people in the birth workspace, as well as podcasting in general. I have a really unique background in terms of my nursing journey, and I think that it's really exciting to share it today. I can't believe, actually, that I get the opportunity to just spill about all of the cool things that I've done so far in my fairly short career. Let us take a quick glance back into time. When I was in high school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. When I started grade 12, I had actually planned on becoming a professional dog trainer. And I had a school in the States picked out and everything. I did not want to go to university, even though I had been really streamlined and pushed towards it my entire school journey. That pressure, I wouldn't say came from family necessarily, but there was a lot of expectation within uh, the academic space and my school space that I should do that. I want to add that no one ever mentioned to me that I could be a nurse. No one told me the broad and dynamic opportunities that career path held. They just pushed me towards hard sciences, biology and all of that kind of stuff and I really it just didn't click with me and so as a result I really pushed back against the whole system and just wanted to go to dog training school. Ironically that is one of the skills that I bring to my work now that really adds a unique element as well but that is an aside and a story for another day. Today we are talking about how I got into nursing and what really pushed me um, to do what I'm doing now. Like I said, I really didn't know what to do. I actually did end up applying to university and my plan was to go through to become a midwife. And the challenges as a young graduate, so a young high school graduate, I was 17, I would have been 17 going into university. It's really tough to get into those programs. As I've connected with more and more people over the years, I can really appreciate why. And looking back, I'm really glad that 17-year-old Emily didn't get to go to midwifery school. Instead, I accepted a acceptance offer to Brescia, which was the women's university at in London, it's Western. 
I was going to take something called family, family ecology and I was going to focus more on the science side of that. So that really was the, it was basically a social sciences sort of program, but it really did focus on that healthy family as a whole. And I felt that it was going to be a good stepping stone to what I wanted to do. And then my best friend had said to me when I went to visit her at university, because I had taken a year off to take some time to just work and figure more things out. So I deferred that original acceptance. And she said to me, I remember the first time I went up and she jokingly said, why don't you just go into nursing? At least you'll have a job when you're done. And as much as that was made as a kind of joking comment, especially coming from a brand new you know, English major, it really clicked for me. And it clicked in the sense of, I am very solution focused and I'm someone who does not want to waste my time chasing something that is not going to get me closer to my ultimate goal. And nursing felt like the perfect entry point at that time into midwifery. As I learned more um, about nursing, I became so excited to start the program because I really did see that there was a art as well as a science to it. And I could really combine my passion for connecting with people and being that really human person in a role as well as the science piece and the pathophysiology and the understanding and the under underpinnings of why things happen to people and how they do. I really loved it. I was a student at Loyalist College, so I joined a collaborative program. So I did two years at a college program or at a college site, I should say. So a lot of people don't understand what a collaborative program is, and they feel that you have done two years of college and then you bridge into a university program. And that's not the case. It's actually um, your full four-year degree program. It's just offered at two sites. And different programs may actually offer them at all at um, a college site. Your I loved it. I loved my time at Loyalist. I had absolutely phenomenal professors. I had professors who, who were so passionate and so incredibly intelligent that I was able to see the future for myself. I saw how much I could do by becoming a nurse. And it wasn't the, the bedside nursing that I fell in love with. It was the skills and the intellect and the passion for change that came from my professors. One funny story that I always share that really highlights who I am as well as what I loved about school was I had one professor, her name was Vicki Niblett. And Vicki is actually the author of a dosage calculation, a nursing dosage calculation textbook that has been used and used and most nurses would be familiar with it. She happened to be my pathophysiology professor. And I remember, I can't tell you exactly which class it was, but I just sat there and in my head, I said, I am going to beat this woman. And beating her to me meant getting nothing wrong. She was so smart and so capable of understanding so many things that that is what challenge I took. And I remember the first exam of hers that I got 100% on. 
and she passed me the paper and it was turned upside down and she just looked at me and she said, good job. And that was all of the validation I needed in that moment. And I don't know why that story just always sticks out, but I just, I remember thinking that if I could only be half as passionate and half as knowledgeable, when I get to that point in my career, I would be so fortunate. Well, like I said, I had, I got the experience of some really tremendous leaders and tremendous professors at Loyalist. I did get connected with some also very wonderful professors at Brock, which was my, the second half of my education. I did also have a lot of challenges when I, I transitioned to Brock because I was pregnant in my third year of nursing. And that left for so many hurdles to navigate through, through the institution, through the university itself. And that is, again, not necessarily the discussion or the details for today. But what I really learned as a young nurse was that I needed to figure out fast how to advocate for myself, how to protect myself, and to really know my shit. I learned I could not rely on anyone but myself to know what I needed to do and how to do it. I also always took the opportunity whenever possible to focus on birth in my undergrad. Keep in mind, I still thought I was going to become a midwife at the end of this. I was focused on getting through nursing to become a midwife. And any time I could research this, I did projects on um, prenatal pushing education. I did projects on birth in general. I took any opportunity for placements in a mat child setting. And I just really immersed myself as much as possible. And it was at the end of my second year of university. So when I finished at Loyalist, I had planned for myself an elective trip uh, to Tanzania. So an elective trip is something where you go abroad as a healthcare student and you work in another, not another environment. This is something that's really popular in the UK. And actually the company that I traveled through was based out of uh, the UK. And that is who I traveled with. It was unbelievable. I ended up going for seven weeks in 2011. And I spent six of those weeks in the capital city of Tanzania, which was Arusha, and did a placement there in Mount Mero Regional Hospital in their labor and delivery ward. So there it was called the Obzingaini Ward. The last week of the seven weeks that I spent there was within a Maasai community and learning about more of a cultural experience, not so much a medical. This is a discussion that's going to be ongoing because of all of the lessons that I learned there. But I think it's really important that people understand you, like you understand why I have such a unique view on what birth is. And a lot of it really is because of that experience. Most people assume that is because I witnessed uninterrupted, extremely natural, physiologic experience of birth. And I can honestly say that would not be further from the truth. The environment that I stepped into when I was there was something that I could not wrap my head around before that day. The antenatal space, so that would be what we compared to a waiting room here or maybe an observation room where you go in early labor, held 
approximately 70 women who were already in labor of some kind. This is not necessarily people who are just one to two centimeters. This could be people who are very close to giving birth. And this unit was actually on the second floor of, of the hospital. So people had to walk upstairs and wait there until they were called down to the birthing space itself. The main space held seven beds that were in an open room. These beds were close enough that you could reach out and touch your neighbor, and there was no sense of privacy. There were curtains that could be pulled between the spaces, but they were often left open. And everyone was giving care in the same way. You followed through the checklist and everyone got IVs. Everyone had their fetal wellness checks done. Everyone got oxytocin and it was very much similar to our experience here in that sense of it being very routine and no consideration for maybe what was actually happening in that moment. But that being said, I could not ever trade that experience for anything else. The nurse midwife that I worked under, her name was Sister Shao. And I remember, again, the first thing she ever said to me was she looked me square in the eye and she introduced herself and I did the same. And she smiled and she said, are you here to teach or are you here to learn? And that is a question that I always carry with me now because I always need to ask myself, what am I doing here? Is this my place to try to teach someone else or is this my spot to learn something new? And I looked her in the eye and I said, I'm here to learn and I want to learn everything. She took me under her wing and I jumped in. The first day, actually, I did faint and I think I got some brownie points with her because I was back up and at the bedside before the placenta was born. So I fainted when I witnessed the episiotomy. And keep in mind that all of the, the procedures were with them instruments that were not necessarily sharp. There was a lot of different factors there that were just so different than here. But again, I fainted, hit the floor and everything. I was covered in amniotic fluid and poop and oh my God, it was awful. And they got me to a couch and yeah, I, I laid there, I collected my bearings and I got back up and I went in to learn more. And because of that attitude I had and because of my willingness to genuinely learn and not try to teach someone a new way of doing things, Sister Shaw was able to support me in attending over 70 births. The way she helped me understand the process was starting from the very end. So I first started drying off babies and warming them up and passing them to their mom. And I back-chained the skills from there. And I actually did attend uh, 20 births as the basically the primary care provider in that sense. Those births included an unexpected twin birth, a vaginal twin birth with a, a frank breach presentation, as well as a cephalic baby. I had the experience of caring for someone who was in full-blown eclampsia and things that we just wouldn't see here because of the treatment options and the screening and things that we catch earlier. And when I say things we wouldn't see here, that again is, there's a chance and there's always a chance that we can see scary things. 
But in terms of the extreme severity of the situations, I've never seen anything like that in Canada. The other piece that I brought back with me, aside from being a lifelong learner and always coming to learn before I come to teach, is the fact of resource management. I remember when I returned after that trip and I told nursing friends that I had used the same yellow isolation gown for weeks between patient to patient to cover my scrubs and to try to protect myself and my clothing from the bodily fluids that you're exposed to in that environment. And people thought I was crazy. I explained that there were times when you had to decide whether a mom was given lidocaine freezing to suture some sort of perineal tear, or if she was going to get an injection of oxytocin to help prevent uh, postpartum hemorrhage, which postpartum hemorrhage was a major reason for maternal death in that region. So you can see that it's hard to wrap our head around that there may be only one needle per patient for their entire stay and that you have to decide which is more important. It feels like an impossibility, or it felt, I should say, like an impossibility. So this past year, when there was a PPE shortage here in Ontario, it didn't feel impossible to me. I think it hit a lot of people very hard, and it was terrifying to think that we could have run out of things that we consider throwaway basics. But the fact is, we can run out. And there are people in this world that are figuring out on the daily how to make the most of that and how to provide really the best care they can with absolutely minimal resources. It really did leave me as well to become more of a steward for resource management and appreciating that as a healthcare provider, my choices and my actions and the way I use the materials that I'm given do impact the bigger picture. I loved my time there. And I learned though that they didn't need me. Their staff were incredible. And after I left that trip, I felt that if I were ever to return, it would be as a peer. I would want to work alongside the team that I had met there and had seen do such a tremendous job with what they had. Um, so I will forever be grateful of, for that trip. But I really have to say it totally shaped my view of birth here in North America. And it wasn't because it was at that natural birth experience. What I really did pull away from witnessing that many births was the fact that these people believed they would survive it. They didn't have a shred of doubt in terms of how they were going to get through it, they trusted that they would. And that was what was so inspiring and really inspires me today to continue this conversation that there is power in our storytelling, that by us coming together and sharing our real experiences, we're giving each other strength to go forward and do it for ourselves. So now after Tanzania, I finished my third and fourth year of nursing at Brock. I was a mom. I was pregnant in my third year and I was a new mom in my fourth year of university. Um, that was really tough. And when I got to the end, it just felt, thank God I did this. 
I was so ready to be done and I was so ready to go out and just start nursing. Um, but we moved to Saskatchewan. My husband was already posted there. So immediately when I was finished, my oldest and I moved out west. And during that process, it took a really long time for my registration to come through. So when you become a nurse, you graduate, but you also have to write a entrance exam and pass that exam. And then you can file for your registration to work as a registered nurse. And so there were a few hiccups along the way in terms of all of that paperwork processing and trying to get through. So even though I graduated or I was finished school in April of 2013, I didn't actually start working as a nurse until almost December of 2013. And that is when my crazy path started in terms of my work experience. So I started with an agency and I did a lot of community-based nursing where I supported everyone from older adults living with dementia who had just come home from hospital and needed care to young pediatric children and many other things. It was through that role that I also spent six months um, in a contract working for the for Corrections Canada, which again was a super cool experience. It was one of my first experiences working with that population in terms of an adult male population entirely. I loved what I did while I was there. It definitely contributed to my foundational skills of radical empathy. There's something about caring for populations that other people may not want to or other people may not believe that they're deserving of care. And when you step into that role as the person who is entrusted with that, it's a very powerful feeling. And you begin to see again stories. You learn people's stories and you learn that you are able to care for them and help meet their needs without having to judge how they got there. And again, I will be forever grateful for that experience. Even when I was working in my last role, I always pulled a lot of my understanding of humanity from my time that I spent there. I also worked in a rural hospital in Saskatchewan. So I worked in a tiny community that was about 100 kilometers from Saskatoon in the town of Outlook. Outlook was a cool place and the role as a young nurse there was unbelievable. Um, I had responsibilities that you wouldn't typically have as a newer nurse in that environment. So this hospital actually had acute care beds and ER as well as long-term care beds. So as the acute care side nurse, you were also an ER nurse and you had your responsibilities for your acute care. Given the fact that we were 100 kilometers away from the nearest hospital or the biggest hospital, we saw a lot of crazy, unique things as well. Not to go on a tangent, the ER is not my love. Acute care is not my love. I really never, ever want to go back, but I loved my team there. We had so much fun and it was during a time, um, I was actually pregnant with Orion during this time and there was a lot of crazy things happening you know, around us and in our life, but that place meant so much to me. And I was actually at Outlook that I worked, I had the pleasure of having another phenomenal nursing leader at the helm of that place. 
And she was someone who was well into her 70s. She was still leading. She wasn't part-time working. She was running the show. And her career had been so diverse as well. If I remember correctly, she had worked at the military. She had traveled around. Like she did so many cool things and she still was doing cool things. And I think you'll see this theme keep popping up about these people that I've come across who have shown me what is possible in so many different places in my life. And that is what this podcast is about. Not that any of you need to go and find who the director of care is for that particular hospital. She may not be who you need to look up to, but it really was inspiring. Once we left Saskatchewan, we came back to Ontario and all I could find for work here was long-term care. Let me tell you, I was not pleased. I, at the time, and Prior to that, I really felt like long-term care was the place that nursing careers go to die. I actually had been attacked or grabbed as a child in a nursing home and found being around older adults uncomfortable. And that would be an understatement to the point where my knees and legs felt tingly if I saw someone who was an elder. And here I am with my only option being long-term care. Let me tell you, it was the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. I ended up in a role, long story short, I worked as a charge nurse. I worked in a supervising role and I eventually made my way to the role of behavior support coordinator for a very innovative long-term care home in Tweed, Ontario. My team that I worked with there was unbelievable. Again, uh, thanks to a rock star of a nursing leader who I jokingly say leaves her kind of sparkle on whoever comes through her doorway. And she was someone who really taught me about the fact that There are ways to meet the needs of your residents or your patients and satisfy the rules that you are supposed to be meeting. There are ways to make your employees and your team feel valued while still meeting the needs of our residents. And she showed me that creativity combined with a really powerful sense of confidence and self-assuredness could get you those results. And she believed in me. She took a chance on me and put me in that role, which opened so many doors. When it comes to humanity and radical empathy, there is no faster way to learn that than working with older adults who have dementia. My role with that home as the behavioral supports coordinator was that dementia support. I worked in a number of different projects and trying to figure out how to improve quality of life, not only for um, the residents, but also improve safety for the, the staff themselves. And I can't say this was my first introduction to informed consent or the concept of being allowed or allowing a patient to take risk, but in this environment, I was deeply entrenched in it. 
because of working with this population who are already deemed incompetent and incapable of making decisions for themselves, I had to figure out how to navigate some pretty tricky ethical and moral situations. And most of the time that had to do with the sexuality and expression of sexuality. This particular piece of everything that I did in terms of dementia care and memory care also helped me see the connection and the commonality between dementia care and birth work and where those challenges come up. And all too often, those challenges are because our staff have biases that lead them to provide care in a way that makes them feel good, but denies the patient, the resident, the client, the right to assume a risk or make a choice for themselves. So even if you are an older adult with dementia, you are allowed to make decisions for yourself. And so you can imagine how this fuels my birth work. If you, if I know how to make that happen, why on earth can we not make that happen for competent, capable adult humans who are pregnant? And I mean that in the sense of those words sound really harsh and especially used when we're describing people who have dementia and are living with dementia. It is really a legal piece that covers, there's a very clear set of criteria and there's competency assessors and there's a whole process to determine this, but it's still very different than an adult who is going to have a baby. And that's because of the processes that are happening in the brain and impacting their cognition and decision-making skills if you have dementia. People who are giving birth do not fall into that category. So the insight that I gained from learning how to help meet people's needs within the healthcare system definitely came from that role. It was in that role that I also began to grow my understanding and grow my ability to lead. I connected with so many cool community partners and collaborative partners in that role that really relied on building strong networks of people who knew a lot of things. And because of that, it led me to my, my most recent nursing position, which was the team lead of the mobile response team. And the mobile response team was a, a service that provided supports to long-term care for residents who were uh, dealing with the behavioral and psychological symptoms of dementia. So our team, I had worked with many of the people on it prior as part of my role within the nursing home. And then I became part of that team. I loved it. It was, I don't even want to say a job. It was a role that was so fulfilling and I saw so much change and so much impact happening. I cannot take credit for that. I, I can't. I had a team who knew their stuff and they brought me all the information I needed to do what I needed and then send them back out to do it again. They literally changed lives. It's going to make me cry thinking about surviving 2020. 
it was almost a year ago actually that I went back to work after my last maternity leave. And I returned to this role that I had only been in a, a few months prior to going on maternity leave. So I felt really unsure of what I was going back to, but I knew that uh, a new nurse had started on the team who I knew and I knew was going to be phenomenal to work with. And I knew I had the rest of my team there. So I headed back and almost a month after starting, uh, everything with COVID started. And I don't know how many of you followed closely the impact that COVID-19 had on long-term care in Ontario, especially over 2020 and all of the, the news coverage and difficulties that were shared during that time. I got to experience that from, I won't say the inside because that's not where I was, but I, I got to experience it from the fringe. And I cannot say enough good things about the people who care for our grandmas and our grandpas and our aunties and our uncles and our moms and dads. Those people are true heroes. And my team especially, I don't know if any of them are listening. I hope they, they catch this at some point and know that they, they did so much and they did so well. And it was so hard to leave them. So that is where we come to where we are now. And I had made a big plan to move our family to Ottawa for a new role, actually working with their inner city health team. So working directly with the homeless population and between my own health, so rheumatoid arthritis and the treatment that I take for that combined with the pull to finally devote the time and energy I felt the Good Birth Co. deserved. I decided to go into full-time independent practice, full-time entrepreneurship as a registered nurse at the end of 2020. And I can't wait to see where it takes me. If I was able to do all of those crazy things in the last 10 years of my nursing career, you know, combined education and working experience, I can only imagine what's going to happen in the next 10. And I really want to invite you on that journey. And if there is, if you have any questions about my professional background, my journey with nursing or what led me from a bedside nurse to independent practice, I would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to me. You can find me at The Good Birth Co. on Instagram. I am a real person. I answer my DMs. I would love to hear from you. So with that, I want to say thank you for listening to this week's episode. And one more thing. The month of February is going to be all about celebrating Black excellence. Black history is a big deal in our house, and I want to also make it a big deal for you, your business, your family, whoever or why ever you're listening to this, I want you to be celebrating with me. So I will be inviting on some very inspirational guests. Some of them I am so proud to call friends and colleagues, and there will be giveaways with some of my favorite products by my favorite makers and artists and all of that good stuff. So if you want to get in on that because you're not going to want to miss it. This is going to be very awesome. You want to make sure that you have subscribed to the podcast, 
And if you leave a rating and review, it's going to make it a lot easier for parents just like you to find this podcast. I didn't quite make it through my pile of laundry this episode, but better luck next week. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to Wow Doing Laundry. I hope you're feeling enlightened and your own pile of clothing is a little bit smaller. If you love what you heard, it would mean so much to me if you hit subscribe and left a quick rating and review so more people just like you can explore parenthood while doing laundry.